My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Paul Williams. Paul, welcome. Thank you to, for joining us. Good morning, Scott. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I think I am anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, certainly looking forward to it myself as well, Paul. And uh, for those listeners tuning in that may not be familiar with Paul, he's a senior executive within numerous businesses and is notably the founder of uh, Elysium Partners, a firm which provides services for high net worth clients that are looking to relocate to the, uh, the UK. Um, so uh, just for those tuning in, Paul, that might not be familiar kind of with your sort of wider business portfolio, um, what is it in your own words that sort of you and your businesses do just for those that might not sort of be overly familiar with you? Well, yeah, thank you, Scott. Um, because my background is is split really between the building industry and finance, mm. um, I've found that after all, all the years of working, I'm sort of back in that area now. Um, I've gone through uh, the, the building industry initially when I left school, and then I went into the financial services industry, and and then coming out probably eight years ago, maybe eight to ten years ago, into a more entrepreneurial um, area. I, I I work with a number of businesses. I'm uh, chairman to a, a small a boutique financial services IFA business in London. I work with a company, and we look to buy businesses. Um, put them together with a view to to selling them, improving them, and selling them at a later date. Um, I, I'm I'm a partner in a company that uh, provides training, uh, online training services to the police, and we're looking at the moment we're looking to to put uh, to put together some um, offshore uh, training for uh, police in other countries. Um, and I, and I I'm involved back in involved in the in the uh, building industry with funding and development and selling. So it's quite a varied pack, but but it is it is really fundamentally around funding mainly finance and uh, building, but also advice with two businesses. So. I, I do have a quite a varied. I, I never expected to be at this point in my life working as hard as I do. I think I probably work harder now than I've ever done, but um, it keeps you down young, I'm told, Scott. Yeah, certainly keeps the mind busy, doesn't it? And it certainly sounds as if you know you've got plenty to get your teeth stuck into across some sort of a multitude of industries there. And uh, just thinking about sort of how you got to where you are now, um, was it difficult, sort of? starting out, you know, sort of in the building industry and then maybe not coming from that kind of entrepreneurial background, let's say. What was that journey like for you? Uh, well, but being, I'm in my mid-60s now. Um, so that's something I, you know, you, you, it comes up on you, you don't really realise that, that you still think you're young. Uh, and of course, when you speak to anybody when you're young and they're older, they tell you exactly the same thing. So it's a uh, it's a secular thing that goes around. Um, when I left school, my parents um, uh, was a civil service, and my mother um, looked after the home. So I, did, I had no entrepreneurial uh, skill at all. Um, what I wanted to do, the only thing I knew was that I didn't want to work um, nine to five in an office all the time. So I was sort of pointed towards being a building surveyor. 
because my thoughts on that were that I would be sometime in the office and sometimes out on the site. And and really, that's the reason I went into that. My my real passion in life is sports. Um, I was quite a good cyclist, um, squash player, and a number of different sports I was very good at. But I tended to move from one to the other. And of course, when, when I was interested in those sports, there really wasn't any money in them. And, and there wasn't your access to those sports was, was, was really only if your parents could support you. So um, I was told, go and get a job, which is what I went to do and found myself walking, working for a building uh, company in South London. So, yeah, it was it was really just falling into it, and and the most thing was not having not working uh, nine to five in an office. Yeah, it certainly makes sense from my perspective. You know, that want to go and do something a little bit different to what might be perceived as the norm, really. And having kind of gone through that journey yourself and sort of had that little bit of a look back just now, I mean, if you were to sort of give somebody advice who was maybe younger and of that entrepreneurial mindset who maybe had an idea to start their own business, what kind of is the biggest single piece of advice you'd give to them when they're starting out to really get them on that road to success? Uh, funny enough, I mean, I, I spoke to a uh, to somebody last week who was 23 with one of the businesses that I help out with, um, and he asked me exactly the same question, um, uh-huh. what, what sort of advice. And it's difficult when you get somebody 23, because although you obviously were 23 yourself, you can't. It's a different era. That they live in a completely different world from the world that I lived in when I was twenty-three. Mm. So, so the only thing I I thought was that if I if I could go back, um, I, I wanted to leave school really quickly. I, I, I wanted to. You know, I wasn't brilliant at school. I, I didn't find it easy, um, and I, I wish that having left. Um, school, got a job that I actually had gone back into education or, or done some form of learning um, that, that, uh, that would take me forward, so that would, would give me a good base to, to what I want to do in the future. Now, obviously, not everybody has a sort of an idea exactly where they want to go, but there, there, are, there will be some areas that if you're in an area, what, why not? Make sure that you know the most about that area that uh, you can. Uh, you, you you do exams, you do education, you, you know whatever you can do to sort of bring yourself forward. Even if that isn't where you stay <clears throat> for the rest of your life, it, it's going to it's going to help you make decisions on what you want to do. So I think probably somebody at that sort of age would be to to once they're settled because nobody wants to. Unless you're you're excellent at it and you stay at university for years and years and years, I think everybody wants to go out and get a job. Once they've got a job, mm. then I think they should look at what where they can go back in and find more education and qualifications and and move themselves forward in that way. And it's interesting that you do mention education in that way because. I've been speaking to some people who are involved in the building industry, such as yourself, on this very podcast over recent months. And education has come up when we've been discussing the widely documented issue of the skills gap within that particular industry and how maybe, you know, there isn't enough value being placed on, you know, sort of technical qualifications and technical competencies and maybe how access to education once you're, you know, out of education and in work is a little bit difficult. So it's harder for sort of the uh, the, you know, the adult workforce to, you know, go 
back and retrain and maybe try and do something else. Um, is that something that you think you would agree with, Paul? Do you think that is a driver behind that sort of that issue that we have in the sector right now? Um, I think possibly. When I when I was training, when I became a building surveyor, uh, we used to do um, a day's a day a week release to college. Uh, the, the company allowed us to do this. I mean, obviously, they it, that was the whole setup. And it worked really well. It was a six-year course, um, and, and I gradually moved through to being a qualified uh, QS, not not professional quantifier, but uh, building surveyor. And I think that in the building industry, um, skill is is driven too much by the companies, by the sort of subcontractors, and they bring people on. Um, I think the more that they could be, they could be helped um, within that. That set up, the better it would be. I mean, the building industry, I think I might have mentioned to you prior to this, but uh, I think it really hasn't changed very much in the last 40, 40, 50 years. Mm. It it really does. It needs to be, I think, much more professional. Um, I think the trouble is it's, it's run by people that do extremely well out of it or can do, but there is, there is this aim of always trying to just just earn more money. Now, obviously, everybody's interested in earning more money, but it, it then, it, it, I've noticed in the industry that um, businesses build up, that the main contractor will use a subcontractor um, and, until a point where they don't want to, and then in a way, they could ruin the business very easily just for the sake of actually making a few more pounds with a different a different company. And and I, so I think that there, the industry has to look Look at itself to make itself a bit more professional. Um, provide a better, a better product at the end. But as part of that, I think they need to train. There needs to be a system where everybody gets trained properly, so that so that you get a proper, professional um, product at the end of it. And there's a pride in the job, which I don't always think that, that you see. I think people just uh, you know, it's, it's let's get through to the end of the week, get my pay packet, and then I'm off. Um, I think that that would need to be looked at. And that starts right at the root, I believe, of all businesses. If you allow people to get away with with just doing enough, mm. then it, it never improves, really. So you need to actually really grab hold of that and make it work. So certainly a challenge for leadership within the industry, I think, in that case, I think it's fair to say. And uh, you talked about there the fact that, you know, the way the industry is run hasn't necessarily moved on an awful amount in the last sort of 30, 40 years. Um, do you think that maybe the same is true of the skill sets that people have coming into the industry? So maybe they're coming in with maybe skills that are a little bit outdated. And when we're thinking of how quickly technology moves on, certainly. Are we not equipped with the skills to sort of utilise the technology of the future that are going to help this sector? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm sort of qualified really to comment on some of that because I'm, I'm of that age where uh, the technology has moved on so quickly that I, I just hope, I just expect it to work. I, mm. I don't really understand how it works or some of it. But I mean, the, 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 the building industry obviously is different um, in, in a lot of the bits and pieces that go into it. However, the basic um, of building a house or building a, 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 um, a, a building um, is is the same. It's just um, just different different uh, materials that go into it and, and different requirements for it. So I think that um, skills go across the whole the whole range, don't they? So yeah. I, 
I'm not sure. I think more specialist businesses would obviously have to have um, pretty pretty skillful um, people. But um, I, I would say in the general, you know, the brickworking, plumbing, painting and decorating, I wouldn't say that that has moved on at all, to be honest. Um, I think, if anything, it's, it's possibly gone backwards in the skill sector. But uh, that that is, you know, housing is a lot. You have timber frame housing, which which is a system that goes up very easily now. So, you know, they never used to use that when I was around, or very rarely it was brick and block. And uh, I, I think I think it's back to the point that I think that if they're going, if you're going to work industry, you need to provide a good product. And I'm not convinced that the product that we get today is is that good. It's more, it's, it's quick, done quickly, finished quickly. I'm not sure the quality is as good as it used to be, but... I might be wrong there. It's, mm. it's a difficult one. Yeah, understandably so. And um, I guess something that we have seen as well from ministers uh, this year is that they've tried to address sort of that skills shortage by introducing some landmark legislation in the form of the Skills and Post-16 Education Act. And obviously we've scrutinised that an awful lot on this programme and also in a special report that we released earlier this year. Um, so we won't get into too much detail. But do you think that um, obviously it's encouraging that that legislation is there and, you know, there's some acknowledgement that, you know, there's an issue here that needs addressing. I, I, definitely. I think it's encouraging when um, when the ministers look at areas that need to be uh, worked on. I mean, I think it, it has to be more... My, my, my worry would be that these that, that reports um, take an awfully long time to go through. So the intention might be there, but I think that actions are, need to be um, moved forward quickly. So, yes, I mean, it's, it's a good thing, um, but I think it, 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 all, it only works if it works. So um, talking about these things, putting a report together is great, but it, but it needs to be actioned in order to see the benefit for the industry and, and the individuals. Yeah, and I suppose what's going to be really difficult um, in making that work is there are there are a lot of stakeholders that need to come together to make this happen, don't they? And that's people from industry, people from education. Um, so there's a there's a lot that's going to have to go into this if uh, the outline, the underlying aim of the uh, the uh, the legislation is to is to be um, essentially materialised. And that aim is to put industry back at the heart of skills provision and basically make clear to education: this is what our industry needs. These are the skills we need you to be delivering. And now it's up to you to go and deliver them to make sure that there is a fully qualified workforce moving through and of course the intent is there but as you say I mean it's very much easier said than done isn't it? Uh, yeah absolutely and as you say when you have so many stakeholders involved mm. um, you, you're not sure that they're all they're all on board and it doesn't take very many uh, to either not not disagree with what's being proposed but maybe just just think that it needs to be done a different way it, it, it will stop it or slow it down. So um, I'm not sure how this process works, but you, you would have thought that you, you need really a round-the-table uh, approach where everybody sits down and, and you work out what's going to be some, the, the, the process that works for everyone. And, and, and almost, not I don't mean this in, in the way it sounds, but almost the lowest common denominator works. So the, the easiest way to get something going that's going to move it in the right direction should be taken on board um, and, and cost efficient as well. I mean, I, you know, everybody has to look at costs mm. and, and it's, it's too easy just to um, give, 
give a give a cost across to a commercial organisation and say, well, look, you have to pay for this. Uh, I think uh, you know gov- um, the government and, and ministers need to sort of look at that and write, well, how does it work for the companies as well as the individuals and, and do what we want it to do? Yeah, exactly right. And let's hope that we do see that progress over the uh, the coming months and indeed years, because this is something that really does need to be addressed. And um, as we think about the future as well, Paul, just looking ahead maybe to sort of 12 months from now, of course, you mentioned you're not just working in the building industry, you're working in a lot of different sectors. So I'm wondering what sort of your personal aims are for the next year and indeed where do you see yourselves and your businesses by this time next year? I probably should have thought about that one before I came on here. I think that for for myself, um, I start to take my old age pension, uh, I I assume it's still called that, in February. I am So it's sort of quite an interesting time for me. Uh, I always just look to to move forward. A lot of the times you sort of, you look at that as a, as a financial success. So there's a number of involvements that um, financially, if they move in the right direction, I would look at that as a success. But certainly one of the businesses, the business that um, we provide training to the police, both um, in the UK and abroad, that is starting to look as though that's moving very, very positively in the right direction. So I, I would like to see in a year's time that we're actually providing training um, to other countries. I think that would be a really uh, positive um, move for us. Um, I think on on uh, the rest of it, the, there's a number of developments that I'm involved in, and we, it's taken an awfully long time. I mean, I won't go into it, but the, the planning departments in the UK have a lot to, um, to ask. Um, they really are very, very slow. I think that's probably the... Uh, the easiest thing I can say about them. Um, and uh, there's a number of projects that I'm working on that I'd like to see those projects well underway. Um, and, and for me, that would be moving forward. I think because of COVID, um, a lot of stuff I've been involved in mm. has, has, has slowed dramatically. And, and, you know, treading water, I think, probably would be what I would say. So on, on a number of the projects I'm involved with, I'd like to see us moving forward, which which doesn't just benefit me, but obviously benefits a lot of other people as well. Exactly right. And let's hope that we do see that progress. And uh, it would be good for me as well, Paul, to uh, welcome you back onto the show, perhaps at some point in the next year, just to see how things are uh, moving along, because it's been really enlightening having you join us on the show. Really interesting too. And uh, certainly uh, I'm sure that the listeners will share that sentiment as well. Well, I'd be more than happy, Scott, to to come on at a later day if you think if you think anything I'm saying makes makes sense and give you an update as to as to where we are. Hopefully, a long way down the road. Hopefully so indeed, and um, I do hope that everybody tuning into this has thoroughly enjoyed hearing from Paul Williams, Senior Executive at uh, Elysium Partners and a number of other businesses as well. Um, And let's hope that obviously we do see some real progress, as we say there, with some of Paul's projects. And um, to anyone listening into this particular podcast as well, if you feel that you have your own topical matter or issue to bring to the discussion table, then just a reminder that you too can apply to be on the programme if you are the head of an organisation. And that's at leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um to everybody listening into the show today i've been your host scott challoner as always on this episode of the leaders council podcast take care all and goodbye and paul that goes to yourself as well of course yeah thanks very much scott